Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. And welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Mark Griffith. I'm filling in for the very verbal Kevin Ray, who can't be here today, but we will continue on. And uh, this show is brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solutions for the past almost 30 years. It's amazing. Uh, 30 years. But in shotgun today, sitting on my shotgun, is Richard Swan from Mortgage Investors Group. He's got a dynamite radio voice and a face to match. We're, we're, thank I have you a for, face for radio. There you, you do. Go. You do. But but thank you for joining us and helping us. Uh, it is with my pleasure. I am always happy to be in the studio. He is well versed in the radio field, and he's had uh, his own show before, and he's been on as our guest. So thank you for being here. And speaking of past radio shows, let me tell you how you can plug in on the dot com. That is our treasure trove of information. We've been on the air for six years, three hundred plus interviews that we've had so we've got a whole bunch of content that's the focus of our show is supply content to our community and our listeners and try to give back something they've been very kind to us we've been very successful as mortgage investors group and we're just trying to give something back if we can find something just one thing that can improve someone's life that makes it all worthwhile i believe so um treasure trove the housinghour.com also plug in with us socially and Facebook slash the housing hour or Twitter at the housing hour. So Kevin is very big into social media. He pushes that big time. Our company is very active on the social media platforms. So please interact with us. We'd love to hear from you and, and do anything, uh, take any suggestions. So um, today's topic, we got a good topic today. And I really appreciate the guests that we have in studios with us. But um, we're going to talk about the West Nile virus. I was reading the Knoxville newspaper, mm, it was mid, maybe toward the end of August, and I love the Knoxville News Sentinel, and I read that every single morning because there's, it's, I think it's a well-laid-out paper. Anyway, I saw this article that West Nile was detected, West Nile virus detected in Knox County at some point. So I thought this would be good to talk about since it affects everybody in our community and probably countrywide deals with west nile virus so i've got i called the experts at the knox county health department and i contacted them and they gave us two wonderful people that i've just met um, that are in studio with us connie cronley epidemiology and reporting for the knox county health department is that correct yes excellent epidemiology and reporting nurse for the knox county health Department. nurse and it says RN. Is that a registered nurse? Is that what that means? Or reporting nurse? Registered nurse. Okay. <laughs> just, just, my, my wife's an RN. And uh, she retired, and I put RN on there. So retired now. That's what the RN stands for. So, uh, But thank you for coming. We look forward to uh, getting some information from you. And Ronnie Niece is with us in the house, who's not uh, unfamiliar with this studio. He's been in several other shows before. Um, Director of Environmental Health. Ronnie Neese. Welcome. Thank you for having us today. Absolutely. Um, we were talking a little bit before we got going, um, and you told me that you've been with the Knox County Health Department for 30 years. You've seen a lot. There's been a lot of uh, things going and coming through the health department in that length of time. Lots of people and lots of incidents that have occurred. Well, and, so let's go back a little ways. Um, 
I've been in Knoxville since I was nine, 1969, 1970s, when, when I was brought here. My parents grew up in Knoxville. So I've always thought of this, my, my hometown. How long has there been a Knoxville Health Department, Knox County Health Department? Do you know? I don't know exactly. I do know that we had an employee that retired several years ago, and she was the ninth employee when it was up on Hill Avenue where the city county building is now. Oh. So the health department has been since the late 40s, early 50s, something like that. I don't know exactly, uh, but it's been around a long, long time. And it's one of those things, like I, I had mentioned, um, you guys are out of sight, out of mind until something goes wrong. And then it's like, where are these people? That's always the response that we get, uh, that you should have been doing this or you should have done something to, to offset this occurring. But um we're looking constantly at the health department uh, to try to help improve the quality of health for the citizens of Knox County. When we talk about Knox County, we're talking about city and county. Right. Because we're one unit. We cover the whole uh, the whole gamut of, of, of the county. But uh, we're always looking for ways and looking like Connie uh, monitors diseases that come in. Uh, we have people that monitor the diseases through the hospitals, and they mm-hmm. do that on a daily basis. Uh, we work close with the school systems when the flu starts hitting. They monitor the school system's absentees on a daily basis to know how many kids are out of the school, how many teachers and kids. So that's um, that's going on constantly. There's a lot of things that goes on behind the scenes that people just don't know that we're doing on a daily basis. So, you know, when I think mm-hmm. of the health department, I, I guess I don't think of those types of services i i always think of something uh environmentally born you know the water gets in the water table or something like this so you just like cover all the institutions really well really we have like nine uh divisions in the health department that cover from uh infants we have a program called WIC, which is helps uh provide uh, nutritious meals for infants and mothers uh we have a community uh disease section we monitor and and help treat uh, communicable diseases, uh, environmental health. Where I work, we do the restaurants, uh, hotels and motels, daycares, convenience centers. We we do a, a gamut. Swimming pools. We have over thirty six hundred permitted places throughout the county that we visit on a regular basis and monitor them. There's just a wide variety of things. We have women's health. We have uh, home visiting nurses that visit uh, young children to try to help them be assured that they get all of the. Um, vaccines and things and that they need we have a dental clinic we have a women's health uh we have air quality um, management that monitors the air quality for Knoxville, which is very important because uh, of what we breathe on a daily basis it's just a wide gamut and if you want a death certificate you have to come to the health department to get a death certificate i did and not you, know that and your birth I'd certificate like to hold off on one of those but <laughs> uh, me too uh, me too i sure would but we just do a lot of things there's like 260 employees uh, throughout the the health department system, we have the main health department, which is on Dameron. Then we have a clinic that's out of, we call it the Teague Clinic, which is out off of, um, I'm drawing a blank. Dante Road. Dante Road. Oh. And North Knoxville. You go Callahan to Dante. I always draw a blank. And then we have one in West Knoxville on Old Cedar Bluff. Uh, I would encourage people, if, you know, if you can't come to that main one, go to those outlying clinics. They're very nice clinics and uh provide most of the services some of the services they don't you'd have to come to the main health department but what type to, to of services use, 
like like just regular doctor health type no thing, we or... uh, I, I need connie's help on this we don't do preventive i mean we do preventive but we don't do uh, if you if you got a cold you don't come to us gotcha. yeah. i'll let connie explain a little bit of what we do there so the services um especially at the uh, outlying clinics you can go there to get women's health services immunizations uh some of the WIC services uh those type of things at the um, vaccinations at the main clinic, um, we have the whole gamut, mm-hmm. but those two outlying ki- clinics have a, a bit more limited. Now, the health department does not provide primary care or primary pediatric care. Gotcha. That's been a switch in the last few years. Um, we have providers out in the community that cover those services. So uh, the health department's shifted to more preventive things in other areas. Okay. And now as as far as, did you have a question? Go ahead. I would imagine that a lot of what your all's mission is, I know you all do a lot of inspections, you do a lot of, of, of monitoring of things, but I would imagine a big part of your mission is education, trying to bring better services, trying to bring better processes, even to the restaurant industry where Someone opens a restaurant and it's a nice little cafe, but they know nothing really about sanitation, sanitizing dishes. So I'm sure you all have a lot of activities like that. You are absolutely right. Uh, Education is one of our primary means of uh, preventing illness and protecting citizens in our community. Oh, yeah. We have a whole uh, section uh, of the health department that we call uh, you know, the community health. They're, they're reaching out in the community, addressing different needs like diabetes, smoking, uh, all these different programs that they're working with and trying to educate the public of how they can stop smoking. If you are smoking, let's stop and the health benefits and, and the programs to help you stop. So we, we education is a very, very important part of each and every program that we do because it's it's easier for people to help educate them and then not get sick than to treat them after they're sick. Absolutely. Prevent it. And uh, one of the things I would imagine that you all can uh, look at other cities that are having some issues and take that and say something's going to you can project and predict some sometimes. So you use a lot of information from other areas. Oh, yeah. Connie is uh, constantly dealing with folks all across the state of Tennessee. Yeah. She has access to all the 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 current diseases or the current illnesses that are occurring. And when we come back from the break, we're going to continue this discussion. We've got Ronnie Neese and Connie Cronley from the Knoxville County Health Department. Be back on the other side of the break. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And we're back into the Housing Hour. This is Mark Griffith filling in for Kevin Ray, who can't be here today. But I have a guest co-host, Richard Swan from Mortgage Investors Group. Absolutely. I've been there 19 years. 19 years. Yep. I've been 25. So uh, we've been there a pretty long time. Anyway... We're glad that you're back with us. We want to, on this side of the break, continue the discussion because I brought up the point of uh, talking to other neighboring cities and communities and some of the issues. And off off air, uh, uh, Connie, you jumped in and kind of expanded that. 
talk to us a little bit about what you learn. Well, um, nationwide, we're seeing a hepatitis A outbreak. And that is um, a virus that infects your liver, and it's passed fecal orally, meaning somebody sheds it in their stool, somebody doesn't do a good job washing their hands, and then they pass it to others. So we're looking at some of these other communities where they're seeing a lot of cases of it uh, and learning from what they're doing uh, to prevent the spread and maybe learning some of their lessons, things that they didn't do. So currently in Knox County, we are trying to reach out to those populations most at risk for that virus. And we are seeing it in the recreational drug-using population, homeless population, and there are other risk categories. So uh, to prevent it, we're we're getting on the front side, vaccinating those folks. There is a a very effective vaccine. One dose can give you about 92% immunity that will last you 10 years. Two doses is the full series. That is basically a lifetime immunity. So it's a great vaccine, um, very little side effect. Uh, and we're seeing that that's helping to prevent the outbreaks from getting bigger in communities. So we're trying to really get out there and vaccinate those folks. Is that uh, vaccine uh, recommended for just a particular at-risk group or is the general public? Well, Anybody can get that vaccine. It is now one of the recommended vaccines for school children. So typically a child will get that vaccine at about 12 to 15 months of age, and then they get another dose before they enter kindergarten. Um, And vaccinations is something that the county schools have worked on, and I'm sure it's through the health department for many years. And you meet a lot of resistance with some of that, I'm sure, with different vaccines and misinformation that's out there and then just just lack of concern or people think the shot's going to cost them money and and just you know so you've got economic issues that would keep everybody from participating as well there's a lot of uh, misnomers around vaccination but when you think back um, vaccination is one of the hallmarks of public health for the 20th century we don't see measles we don't see even chicken pox today. Kids aren't getting these diseases. People still die from those kind of diseases. We don't see smallpox. I mean, we have probably all had a vaccination for that. Um, so it, it's one of the best um, uh, achievements for public health. But it's um, just amazing how a little bit of bad information can really, uh, people pick up on that. There was a a report that came out several years ago that was based on a very limited study and maybe even erroneous information where people were like, oh, one of the vaccines causes autism. So people really picked up on that and ran with it. Now, you know, there's a lot to vaccination um, and there are many more vaccinations now that kids get. So this is some of the concern parents have, but overall, I mean, vaccination research, it's based on thousands of people, large studies, not just one or two little incidents. So it's one of the safest and most effective achievements in modern medicine out there. Well, and I know my grandfather was a doctor here in Knoxville, and 
I was probably the only child, or my <laughs> brothers and sisters were probably the only children that had to get a typhoid shot every year. And I'd, I'd talk to my friends, did you get a typhoid shot? Typhoid, what's that? And because he was a doctor, we had to get one every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was and typhoid it's just a problem a, when you were growing up in the, in this area? Not in my house. <laughs> it, <wasn't. laughs> it, was, it was always a concern because I played sports, and if you played sports, you always had to have a typhoid shot. Is that right? Yeah, because you could get infections because if you got cuts and bruises and oh, mainly cuts yeah. and it would get infected. If you got into water, yeah, it had it, dirty lake water. water. Yeah, yeah I, I see. So, I mean, to do all these things, what you just described, Connie, was pretty kind of mind blowing to me. I mean, that's a lot of, uh, you know, treatments and, and you know, those types of things. How big is the department to get all this done? How big is your department? How big is the? Well, the health department has about 260 employees, uh, and there's certain employees designated for for the program that Connie talked about, and that's that's all they do. Is they're working out in the community on a daily basis to try to get the proper vaccinations, and you know we all have different parts that we do within the health department. As I right. said uh, it's a it's a smooth working group. It's um, there's a lot goes on on a daily basis. And if you go to the website, which I visited and kind of looked around, there are a lot of little hyperlinks that gives you a lot of information. So it's really good. I mean, it's, it's, I, I guess, like I said, out of sight, out of mind until there's a problem. You don't really think about the a health department um, until there is something that goes wrong. But uh, you guys do do a lot of work behind the scenes. Well, and I would imagine being in the center of, of Knox County that you all are also reaching out to surrounding counties, working with their health departments, which have far more limited capabilities, more limited resources, but possibly have a greater need in their areas to try to help them with issues and help educate them as well. Well, um yeah, Knox County is what we describe as the donut hole in the middle of the donut of the East Tennessee region. So that is a a region in the state consisting of 15 counties that surround Knox. So they have one main health department, but each little county has their own and guided by their regional office, which is part of the Tennessee Department of Health. So we work together on outbreaks, cases, um, communicating information. We work together on emergency preparedness. Uh, We have a huge department for preparedness because, you know, uh, people come into Knox, Knox counties go out into the community in the other, um, to the Gatlinburg, Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, you know. So we're always working together on issues um, and helping each other out. Well, you know, one of the things that in the mortgage business, um, we do think of the health department in all the regions because a lot of times uh, we have an independent water source uh, where, or you know, that we need a letter, you know, stating that the well water is okay or the septic system is okay. Mm-hmm. Do you get a lot of those requests uh, still? Oh, oh, yes. We still get a lot of requests. Uh, we probably get on a Monday morning, we probably get a dozen requests. Uh, for information about septic systems because the the state law now requires before you post a piece of real estate that you have to have – if you have a septic system, you've got to have a copy of your septic system. Right. And so we get lots of those, and that's one of our main things that we do is provide letters to 
the homeowner or the mortgage company that that says that their septic system is an approved working properly at the time we visit. Also, we test uh, well water. Uh, we can do that uh, for for the citizens of Knox County. Now, if 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 no one has ever tested the well water in Tennessee, it's something you should be doing on a regular basis. I would I, encourage everyone to. I've, as long as I've been in this business uh, and I've seen well water tests, I've never seen one come back clean. There's always something in it. And, I, and, and that's not to say it's unsafe. It's just that there's always something in it. I never understood all the particulates that they mentioned. I tried to read that stuff, but it's hard to, hard to understand. Yeah, water has a lot of different minerals and things in it and sometimes even chemicals. All that we take, test for is a bacteriological evaluation. Right. E. coli or if it's got some kind of a bacteria in it. That's what we're more concerned with. Uh, I would encourage everyone to have their wells tested because it is very important. Uh, we do find uh, wells that are testing positive in Knox County, and you can fix that. There's yeah. treatments that you can use, uh, ultraviolet light or, or chemical that you can... A purification system. purification system. You can take care of that. And you can also take care of any other things that are in your water, the iron and the, the lead or whatever that can have in it. But uh, I would encourage people to have their well tested if they've not. Uh, right. There's fewer and fewer new wells being going in Knox County because the public water system is pretty widespread through the county. And and that's the secret. If you can reach out with the main line and get laterals run to the properties, uh, you solve a lot of these issues. Um, and I promise when we come back from the this break, Richard, we're going to get Are we going to talk about West Nile? We're going to talk about West Nile. Okay. Because I, I think that's, you know, that's, that's what we billboarded the whole show about. I know, and but I found these people so interesting. They are. They're very interesting. So, and I'm guessing we could go six hours just talking with I'm them. But sure we might be able to. Then we're probably going to have to feed them lunch. <laughs> But anyway, on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about this latest West Nile virus, what it means to this area. We'll be back. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And we're back. This is Mark Griffith filling in for Kevin Ray. Um, Mortgage Investors Group, that's the who presents this show, The Housing Hour. Check us out at thehousinghour.com, Facebook slash The Housing Hour, or on Twitter at The Housing Hour. And uh, take this show, share it with your friends and family. It's very simple to do at that point um, because we're going to podcast it on our housinghour.com. Good information to share with your friends and neighbors. Um, so let's talk about West Nile. Um, we had this, it starts up, it always seems to pop up. And I don't know, how long ago did we first start to see West Nile? Well, West Nile came into the United States in 1999. It came in in New York City. And at that time, it started moving down the East Coast. And it's kind of ironic because it was moving by birds by the migratory flight of the birds oh. it went down the east coast across the gulf up the mississippi flyway and then tennessee finally got it from both sides it kind of creeped into us um is how is how we got it and we've had it west nile and knox county probably since 2000 2001 uh, it's always uh, we've had mosquitoes or some form of west nile showing up and either in birds or or humans or mosquitoes oh. since then um, 
West Nile is here. People get really concerned. It's It's been here, and it is here. We just try to work to keep the virus from getting too amplified so we so we can knock it down. So, but we're testing. Uh, we've got 18 sites throughout the county and city that we're testing on. Uh, we start the 1st of May and go till we get a good hard frost, usually mid to late October. And we're trapping and catching adult female mosquitoes. Some folks don't realize it, but it's just the female that bites you. The female, the male doesn't bite you. It's just the female. And the female has to have a blood meal before she can lay fertile eggs. So until she has a blood meal, either with a dog or a bird or a squirrel or a horse or a human, uh, once they have the blood meal, then they can lay the fertile eggs, which the eggs then will hatch out. And the mosquito can lay thousands of eggs in their lifetime. And so when we have West Nile, which we have detected here in Knox County, as I said, it's always here. It's just that it's gotten to a level that we're able to detect it in the mosquitoes. Um, we've been very fortunate this year. Uh, we've not had any in uh, humans or birds or horses because uh, we work with the veterinarians and, and they're testing and the horses for West Nile. So um, we just need people to be very vigilant out there. So, you know, I just learned something. I, I thought the, the West Nile was just, you know, going into humans, but it goes into the other animals as well. So is that why you all are collecting the birds? Yes, the... Uh, we call the horses and the birds as sentinels because they can contract West Nile virus and then they, the virus can replicate in their system and then a mosquito will come through and bite them and then they can come and bite the whore, I mean, come and bite us humans. And so that's why we're collecting the, the mosquitoes and we monitor them and the birds and basically it's crows and blue jays is all that we, we look at because they're more susceptible than other birds are. Don't know why. But that's just what the experts tell us. And so, um, but those are the only two that we, we do collect. But they're, they're, they're sentinels. They're an early indicator that the virus is getting amplified in a community. And so that's then when we find that, that we come in and try to knock the adult population down uh, just in that select area, not just community-wide or whole county-wide, but in an area that we work with, with epidemiologists and other folks in our office to, to try to designate and to figure out where we need to spray in an area. Gotcha. So prevention from a homeowner, from an area, you obviously want to prevent the breeding ground for mosquitoes. Well, everybody's got bird baths. Everybody's got gutters that don't always flow the way they should. So tell us a little bit about being preventative of eliminate those sources where mosquitoes are going to reproduce because I am one of those people that mosquitoes love. If there's one within a thousand yards, it's going to find me. My wife isn't bothered by them at all. Uh, that's the same way it is at my house. Uh, <laughs> I'd say tell everybody the mosquitoes are mad at me because they're getting back at me, but they just cover me up. Uh, I had one in my truck this morning. Somehow it got in my vehicle and I had to get rid of it. But preventative is very easy. Um, Knox County cannot take care of all the mosquitoes in Knox County. People need to realize that. We need everyone's help in disposing of water. It'll stand, if you got a cup thrown out beside the road, that can get enough water in it for a mosquito to breed. Um, Dr. Buchanan, our director, likes to talk about a bottle cap. They can breed. If water stays in, in a bottle cap for seven days, you've got a, a mosquito can lay eggs in it and they hatch out and you've got another whole cycle. 
So it's very important to look at your gutters to make sure that they're draining properly, uh, to look at any standing water. Your bird baths need to be changed every three to five days because the life cycle is seven to ten days on a on a mosquito. So every three to five days, change that bird bath water out. Uh, look at flower pots, the drip pans under flower pots. Those are things that we forget about, but... What always drives this home to me is many years ago when West Nile first hit in Atlanta, there was a, a person that lived right next to Olympic Park that died from West Nile. And when they went to that apartment, they had hanging baskets that were just full of mosquitoes on her patio where, where they were living. Mm-hmm. So check those wheelbarrows, buckets, anything that holds water. It old needs to tires be, that are old tires. in your yard. Well, old tires are in containers are the main breeding source for what everybody likes to complain about this time of the year, which is that old striped mosquito, the 80s abapictus, Mm -hmm. the tiger mosquito, the one that's black with the little silver stripes on it. Those came into this country in tires and spread across the country. They're very aggressive. They bite 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It doesn't matter. As long as you're out there, they're going to be biting you. We're very fortunate at this time that the 80s abapictus or the tiger mosquito doesn't carry any diseases that we have here in, in Tennessee. Mm. We we have about 25 different species of mosquitoes in East Tennessee that we deal with, and each one of them has a specific disease that they can transfer, transmit. So let me, let me see if I get this right. Uh, so the, the chain of events is there's an animal that gets infected with West Nile. So they become sick. Is, is that – and then the, – they, they may never become sick. Uh, they just serve as a host, and it just replicates in their system. But it comes through them from another mosquito that goes and bites, let's say it goes and bites a squirrel. Yeah. And the squirrel, it replicates in their system, and then another one comes along and bites that and gets a little more virulent dose. Ah. It's like getting a dose of something a little stronger. Right. And then they go and they bite something else, or then it, it replicates in their blood system because they've got that blood where they've bitten someone, so it replicates in the blood and it gets that. Now, need, need to be sure to tell you this. You can't get West Nile from squishing a mosquito with the blood. It's got to be injected into you. It's just kind of like the, the AIDS scare right. that you can going to get it from all different ways. They have to inject it into your system. Not just if you squash one and it's got, you know, you get and some. I, I'm all for that squashing as oh, many yeah. as you can, but 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 you can't get it that way. Yeah, and then we need to be careful of you know not. People need to wear repellent if they're very prone. If you're very prone, put your repellent on. Long sleeve shirts and pants, and if you're really getting bit with the West Nile, they're going to be that that mosquito is a which is a Culex. It's out early in the morning and late in the afternoon. Mm. But people think they all, they just say they've got mosquitoes. But if those are the ones, if you're in that prone to be bitten in that time of the day, you need to either stay in the house, wear appropriate clothing, and wear repellent. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I play golf, you know, once or twice a month. I don't play the law. But any time that I do, I'm wearing long pants. And, you know, I, I don't wear a long sleeve shirt. But And, and you used to see farmers and, and people out doing work that would always wear long sleeve shirts and maybe they were smarter than we are now maybe so um uh but now you said you, it, this starts you start to monitor this in in may 
mm-hmm. right about May until the first freeze. I guess you're watching the life cycle, knocking mm-hmm. out the mosquito. Is there one particular time of the year? Because it always seems like late summer is when it starts to really pop. Yeah, it always uh, in Knox County we start seeing West Nile show up late July. Yeah, uh, August is usually a pretty is really starts seeing it then. And that's when we've seen it this year. Uh, September can usually be a big month, and then it starts fading away because our numbers when we're, our trapping numbers starts really going away. It starts getting the cool nights and the cooler days. The activity slows way down. And the mosquitoes are start looking for a place to hide for the winter time. They go in storm sewers and other places where they can stay warm all winter. And then when they come out in the spring, that's why in the spring when you see a good hot sunny day in early, you know, March or April, every now and then you'll see mosquitoes. That's because they've been hidden all summer and they're, they feel the weather. They think it's time to come out. But they, like, you know. Like box elders. Yeah, something like that. Annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's fascinating. See, I, I did not realize that. Um, but when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to continue this discussion because now we want to talk about the outbreak and what we can do about it uh, medically. Uh, so this is the House Now. We'll, we'll be back after this break. Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. This is Mark Griffith again, thehousinghour.com. Check us out because this show is really important for everybody that's listening. Our guests are giving us really good information all over the place as far as what they do. So it's really good. I say all over the place like that's demeaning. That's not. It's really good information. You listen to the first segment. It sounded like a swarm to me, but, <laughs> you know, that, that fit with the topic. The mosquito swarm. But uh, let's talk a little bit. Quickly tell me um, what you can do as a health department to eliminate some of the mosquito threats. I know I see occasionally it says we're going to spray at this street. Why do you pick one street over another and? As I said earlier, we uh, we work with our epidemiologists and some other folks to try to designate an area by looking at the the population and looking at is it more susceptible population or the geography of the of the of the land, and we try to designate because these mosquitoes don't fly very far. Uh, they stay pretty stationary. The ones that we're trying to to reach out and to to reduce the population of. So when we do detect West Nile virus, either in mosquitoes, birds, or a human or a horse, we designate, we go into that area and we apply a uh, an adulticide, which is a very environmentally safe adulticide. It's a contact only, has no residual, which is really good um, because if, if the mosquito doesn't fly into it, it doesn't kill them. And we just drive down the road and we try to reduce that population in that community. We do that only, as I said, when we find it in a community. We, it's not, it's not feasible to spray the whole county because of being environmentally trying to be environmentally safe with with everything. And so we do that only to try to reduce that to help reduce the incidence of the the virus being replicated and sent to other humans. 
see, I remember, uh, Richard, when I was a kid, they used to come through the neighborhood and spray stuff on both sides yeah. coming out. Yeah, I, I, I remember those, too. I and it was too. just like everything. So I don't want to even know what was in that chemical. So probably you, more important for you all, though, than where you can spray is citizens of Knox County trying to prevent areas of incident. You know, uh, bird, bird. my wife has a lot of flower plants. We have a lot of little those little trays under the flower plants. We have two bird baths. Um, one that, you know, I'll dump them every now and then. She, I don't think, really cares about dumping them. She just refills them from time to time. But I'm sure that that is a main focus of what you all try to get people to do is eliminate those damp areas in your your yard that can house and breed mosquitoes. Do they have to have open water, or can things that retain moisture, like mulch that we use, could those, or is it just open water? They've got to have open water. Now, what they will do is after they hatch out, the adults will go to the cool, damp place to uh, to reside until you come through or until something comes through that they can get a blood meal from. The You've got to have standing water, and the more stagnant it is, the better they like it. What we use is fermented. We call it fermented grass water. It is a very stinking water that we use to to draw mosquitoes into it. But what everybody needs to do is just do a survey of their property and dump out anything that is containing water. And if you have a few tires, take them to the convenience centers. You can take four tires at a time to a convenience center. If you've somehow accumulated some in your backyard against the, the building, take them, load them up and take them to a convenience center. They'll let you uh, take them here in Knox County because we we work with them very closely to try to remove tires because it's a very uh, – it breeds the Aedes abapictus, which is very buggy. I mean, it'll just bite you all the time. So it's very important that we get rid of those. And kind of one of the things that our producer asked, Adam Litton, on the soundboard uh, during break was, uh, what about a neighbor who might have a pool that has some water that's, you know, he, they're not tending or taking care of? Or they may have tires. We see tires in those types of pots sitting in the neighbors. What can you do if there's just a lot of water around them? Well, if you own the pool, you can uh, and don't want to use it anymore. We would encourage you to fill it up, mm. but you can buy um, a product, uh, a larvicide, to put in that water that will help. One thing that we have found: a full swimming pool that's all the way to the top doesn't breed mosquitoes. It's when you get a small amount of water in the pool that does breed mosquitoes, or if it gets a, if it, the water gets below the skimmer levels, it gets in that little small pool in the skimmers. So you have to be very careful when you go look. Uh, not all swimming pools are breeding mm-hmm. mosquitoes, but uh, we have to go look and evaluate them, and, and we can help you uh, with that by trying to encourage the neighbors of uh, doing it, taking care of them. And uh, let, let's let's jump over to Connie right now. As a nurse, um, you, so we've gotten – we know that we've, we've talked about all the things that we can mitigate the exposure to this, but what are the symptoms if we do get – bit let's talk a little bit about the medical side of this okay west nile virus you you need to remember that most people that get west nile virus are not going to have symptoms and they wouldn't even know they had it about 80 percent did not know that so how do you well so the few that do get symptoms or have symptoms the 20 percent or so let's say so Typically, those folks would have a mild illness, maybe a fever, some body aches. Uh, You can even have a rash, 
those type of things, and you recover on your own. Even less than that, uh, there are few folks that get neurological symptoms, meaning symptoms sort of of a meningitis, severe headache, fever, high fever. They can have, um, we call it central nervous system involvement, where they may even get uh, some... uh, you know, memory issues, um, just all those type. They're pretty severe symptoms. Those people are in the hospital, and they detect these illnesses through a blood test or through a spinal tap where they test your spinal fluid. Those folks are really sick. Um, Most people recover without any long-term problems from this, but you also need to remember there's no vaccine for West Nile virus at this time, and there's no real treatment. There's no antibiotic. It, it's a virus, so it's supportive care. If you have those symptoms, you need to rest. You need to stay hydrated. Uh, if you have a fever, uh, fever-reducing medications, those are the treatments. Um, so there hadn't been any deaths reported as a result of that type of infection? Not in our area. Has there any any across the state uh, United States at all? Do, if you're aware of, there so, are there so have been. Be. Yeah. I guess uh, if you're at a depleted state in your physical health, it's it's never good. Yeah, that's the main people that uh, it's the elderly and immune compromised that it's really hard on uh, because like just like you said, if your system is very weak, then you have trouble recovering. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and the neurological and memory issues she talked about, I I don't even want to go there. With you, the, uh, no one would know, is right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I mean, but that's a that's a danger, especially with elderly folks or family members. You don't know if they might have it. <laughs> yeah, when West Nile first came into the United States, it was about 70-plus was the people that it was affecting. Ah. And then the as time has progressed, it's the, the age has gotten a little younger. But that's what it was really – we really stressed when it first came in to, that you needed to be sure to, if you were on uh, cancer treatments, chemotherapy, don't go be outside because your immune system is shot. And that's yeah. what was happening. Mm-hmm. It, it, you say the young – it, you know, it was in 70s-year-old folks, but then it started getting younger folks. Is there a reason for that? Has it just become more viral or – I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the reason behind that. Okay, I'm sure there's some medical people could answer that, some doctors or something. But they just it just it's just the statistics just show that it's getting a little younger. The folks did, or as or as you said, in the host animal, the virus gains strength; it replicates and and gains strength. So maybe it's had more time to do that and is becoming more prevalent. More, it's possible. I guess more of it yeah. in our community. There's probably a whole combination of factors that are involved what, in that. What about um, our pets? Uh, you know, so we keep our animals outside, cats and dogs and, you know, whatever. Um, are they susceptible to getting this or are they part of the problem? No, they're not susceptible to getting it. The only thing that they would get from mosquitoes is heartworms in your dog. Oh, that's well. that's the thing. They do, they do not get West Nile virus that we know of. I've learned to never say never. <laughs> Uh, time because every time I say never it occurs, but they at this time there's not your pets are not at risk except for the heartworms and that's the main thing. And I'd encourage you to take your pets to the veterinarian right. to be tested for that and be treated because it is treatable. And we only have a, a couple minutes left. What if just on a broader picture? What is the biggest threat in your minds to the public from a health 
department perspective in your in your thoughts? Is it the hepatitis A? Well, it, it's certain that it's for those high risk populations uh, and and for everyone, I guess, to some degree. Yeah, we're concerned about that. We're trying to get out there and vaccinate people to prevent that from spreading in our community. But we're coming ac- into our flu season. Yeah, Flu is, we're always concerned about flu every year because it still kills folks. People don't realize influenza is a very serious disease. And the best thing you can do each and every year, everybody needs six months and older needs a flu vaccine there you go come to the health department but call first to see if we have it available i want to thank you guys for coming connie cronley thank you very much ronnie niece your 30 years dedication to our to our, the public service we appreciate you very much well thank you for having us absolutely, absolutely. thank you very much richard swan thank you sir very much mark always a pleasure to be here and adam litton on the board thank you this is the housing hour check out our website thehousinghour.com take this show and share it See you next time. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also, check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.